My name is Bradley Ranyesi. I'm with the Arts Coalition for the DuPont Underground, and currently we are about 20 feet below DuPont Circle um, in a space that was built just after World War II. Bradley, thank you for taking us down here. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, what you're about to listen to is an experiment in sound. So, here, turn up the flashlight. The camera guy's always the first guy to die. Turn off the flashlight. Turn the flashlight. And there we stood, in the pitch black. Take notice of how quiet it was down there. This is what it used to be like in here when we were coming down. Wow. And so that light, faint light over there was seen on. Devon eventually got scared, of course. Uh, can we turn For those of our listeners not familiar with the nation's capital, DuPont Circle is a neighborhood located in the northwestern region of Washington, D.C. You'll find a bustling park there with a double-tiered marble fountain at its center. This fountain, built in 1921, stands in for the original structure, which was a memorial statue of Rear Admiral Samuel Francis DuPont. I know some of you were just dying to know that information. Surrounding the fountain, the elderly play chess. Tourists take pictures and couples, young and old, relax or flirt on park benches. It's such a beautiful park that homeless from all around have come to settle there. The neighborhood has some of the most beautiful residential architecture in the city. Underneath is a metro accessible by what seems to be the longest escalator ever. So, all right, so you said what year was this open? Uh, the space was opened in 1949, built at the same time as the Connecticut Avenue underpass that everybody knows. And it was built for streetcars um, because... DuPont Circle was a notorious traffic nightmare. Streetcars were above, and it was all above-ground traffic. It was a fallout shelter for a few years after it closed down. The whole D.C. streetcar system shut down in 1962, so this space was uh, shut out, closed, nothing happened. Uh, late 60s, it was a fallout shelter. That means it's, uh, under federal, it was under federal jurisdiction for a while. So all the plans and all the kind of as-built drawings and stuff are in a file drawer somewhere in the federal government. And so we've had to kind of spend time to document the space and begin to understand it because we don't have any uh, kind of records to work from. Walk me through the moment where you realize, I, w- I want to have some association with what goes on down underneath DuPont Circle. I'd been living in DuPont Circle, uh, let's see, five years ago, so almost 20 years um, when I moved to the city in 91 um, and have lived around DuPont Circle for the first two decades. And I found out about what Julian Hunt, who is the local architect who's behind all of this, was up to. And at that time, I was working at an architecture magazine and um, very passionate about urban issues and design and, and things like that. And... I went to a fundraiser and it was very, very cool and I started asking Julian, can I help, can I help? And then one day I got an email and he said, yeah, you can help. And now it's almost five years later. And we uh, just signed a lease with the city. And um, so I was impassioned by the space because there was nothing like it in the city. Um, And it was very, very cool. And and Julian had already been working a number of years on this project and I think he was really ahead of his time a little bit. seeing this space as a potential for activation, for social, you know, returning it as a, a space for the public to use and a space to create something beneath what is arguably probably the best loved park in the city, apart, apart from the mall, um, in the neighborhoods. You know, this um, DuPont Circle is iconic. Um, and here's a space directly beneath it that uh, offers a chance to create something that doesn't really exist in the city right now. I imagine in the architecture community, people are so jealous of, of what you all are up to down here. 
Yes and no. I mean, it's, it's a, it can be a tough sell. The, you know, the, the underground uh, subterranean spaces get a mixed reception. Uh, obviously, designers always are looking for a puzzle to solve, so they see the, they see the uh, intrigue there. And, you know, there have been a number of projects over the last decade, and in Europe especially, that have started to take advantage of these kinds of old infrastructural spaces. Um, but a question like so so what is what is like an infrastructural space like in Europe that you that you uh, think of that kind of like you all look towards as like a, a, a model or something um, there's a place in France on the coast uh, it was an old submarine state uh, building station it's way bigger than this but the concept is the same that they turned into a venue for public events concerts um, things like that and it's all raw concrete and just kind of old industrial space. Um, in London for a few years, uh, the old Vic Theater had uh, taken over some space in the tunnels and they programmed that and it was very, very popular. Unfortunately, they, they stopped doing that earlier, uh, about midway through 2014. There's a gallery in Dusseldorf that's opened up in the last couple of years called Kunst im Tunnel, which means art in the tunnel, and the space is remarkably similar to, to this. So those are just a few of the kinds of examples. Um, you know, now in New York, there's uh, the Low Line project that's going on um, down underneath Delancey Street, and uh, you hear rumors of other types of things. I know there's a space in Houston, I think, um, an old water cistern that's uh, they're looking at to, to convert into something, and there are there are occasional other spaces. But when Julian was thinking about this, nobody was, there was really no precedent for it, and so it was it was a bit. It's been not a tough sell, but we've had to kind of repeat the story again and again. And as the economy has changed, and news of things like the High Line and the Low Line and other projects come along, people begin to believe that something can happen here. Because as I say, you know, subterranean space is a tough sell. Um, especially given the history of this, where there was a, a food court back in the 90s that was kind of a miserable failure. And so I think the, the neighborhood and those who remembered it kind of poo-pooed the possibility of something happening down here. You know, but the city has shown uh, it's waking up to the power of design to change spaces. You get the 11th Street Bridge Park project, which is very exciting. You've got the Noma Underpass project where, and the, both of those are, you know, projects that the city has actually invested in. And they've done, you know, big design competitions. And it's brought a lot of attention to the city and some really good design. Uh, we are getting no public money, but we hope to change the city's mind on that front. But at the moment, we have a lease, and we have five years to do something down here. Why are spaces like this uh, to be used in the manner that you, you want to have them used for indispensable, indispensable for, I guess, like the cultural identity of a town? DC is uh, changing. I mean, we when Julian started this, he could already sense that the city was growing and beginning to shake off the um, status as merely the home of federal government, kind of asserting itself as its own city, a world-class city. And the last five, six years have really borne that out from the development of the city, the cranes everywhere, the money flowing into the city, the creation of the tech sector. Uh, obviously, the foodie scene has gone insane. Um, other things like that, you know, we, DC now appears in top five and ten lists for best places to start a business, best places for creatives. You know, you gotta, the demographics are changing fairly rapidly. Thousand new people a month coming to the city. And as the city is changing, one of the things that world-class cities offer and pay attention to is culture and the arts. And when Julian started this years ago, especially, he didn't really see that. There's an art scene, but especially 
him being an architect and being driven by those kinds of um, passions really kind of felt an absence of that kind of discussion because he had spent a decade in Barcelona where architects and artists were very um, instrumental in the, that city's flourishing in the 80s and 90s, kind of uh, when it, it, the Olympics in 92 showcased what the city had become. And so he'd come from that experience and come here and had not seen, it did not see that going on where the public is involved in the debate about how is the city growing and changing and designers and artists having a say in what's important to the city and the city recognizing these kind of things. So it's been a process and it's been changing, you know, and we're raising awareness of the value of design culture, arts, and these discussions, and also offering a place where the city can kind of foster its own identity as a cultural maker. Um, you have the federal representation, you got the Smithsonian and, and other big institutions, but that's not local culture. And we hope to both celebrate local culture and bring in things that aren't currently happening here. There aren't too many spaces like this in the city where we can perhaps bring in exhibits that would otherwise miss the city and things like that. You can find us at dupontunderground.org. We have a crowdfunding campaign going on right now at fundable.com slash dupont-underground. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. And my uh, Twitter tag is at B-A-G-N-E-S-E. Madcap is produced by Daniel Bloom, David Ross, Afim Shapiro, and Drew Snadeke. Snadeke moves up in the world. Our intern is Christy Newen, madcapdc.org, on Facebook and Twitter at madcapdc. Yeah, I didn't know the entrance. I didn't know the entrances looked like this. This is, this is way more of an entrance. <laughs> what did you think? It was I had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea. It's so cool to see people like wind up and then like, you know, it's not so steep, you wouldn't even really get on like this. Alright.